news. Play breakdowns. Power rankings. Storylines you never hear talked about. Anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. S here, Lauren joining you as always. Lauren, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm I'm back in Dallas with the fam for Thanksgiving. So uh... Oh my god, I, I completely <laughs> forgot it's American Thanksgiving. <laughs> Can we, we don't have to do this podcast. Yes, we, no, no, no. Uh, we're not, we're not even. We are. We're celebrating tomorrow. So it like it's all okay. good. Okay. It's all- oh my god, <laughs> I completely even forgot. You know what? It's just my no. fault. It's no, funny. no. So like, oh my god. So I'm working on this article uh, yeah. w- for 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 another website. Swish there. It'll be out by by tomorrow or like the day after or whatever. Yeah. But I was working on this article and I was kind of like telling the guy, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe we can drop it on like Thursday. And like I didn't even, <laughs> it didn't even register to me because I'm, I'm again, folks. Yeah. Uh, not apply to me. You know, I had someone reach out and say, "Hey, happy Thanksgiving today. Love oh, you, really? pal. Thank you very much." But also, I don't, I, I didn't even. I'm, I'm not having turkey today. You know. So actually, um, that's. I actually want to ask you about that. Is it maybe not? Maybe weird is like a strong word, but like if an American person says "Happy Thanksgiving" to someone that's not American, is that like? <laughs> like no, what just, is whatever it's, it's just like it's okay it okay yeah because yeah, i'm like it doesn't is that inappropriate is that like no, i don't think it's inappropriate no okay, okay. um just but you know I, like we have our canadian thanksgiving it was like over a month ago you know oh, wow. um and yeah we were chilling yeah not, no 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 big deal um anyways <laughs> okay, happy thanksgiving anyways Wait, I, Thank I guess I, I should ask you um yeah what's your what's your favorite thanksgiving dish <sighs> Like what's your go-to so hard. here? That's so hard. Um, my or, mom also, hope... are you a are you a pumpkin pie person? Uh, yeah. Hell I will yeah. say there is like food-wise, I will always try anything, and pumpkin pie, all pretty much everything at Thanksgiving is yeah, yeah. it's all a, a, it's a fair checked game. box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I I am for the pumpkin pie. As far as my favorite side. Uh, my mom holds it down in the kitchen for, for our th- family Thanksgiving and she oh, can yeah. do no wrong. And so I would probably say, uh, I, I do like the classic mashed potatoes. It might be an unpopular, if it's done right. when they're done mm-hmm. right, it's like a simplicity that just is ties it all together, man, yeah. ties it all together. So yeah, I'm good. a big about- stuffing guy. I yeah, like stuffing, stuffing is. Yeah, actually. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's, it's just really, really good. Like when it's, I when it's to- done. Yeah. I used to love stuffing so much that mm-hmm. I would make my mom make stuffing outside of Thanksgiving. Oh like my gosh. Like, it is very stuffing. good. It it's is so good. good. Um, so yes, that's, that's just a side point, by the way, pumpkin pie, fire, pecan pie, fire, um, banana very cream true. pie. I don't know if you're a fan, but I like, I, I like banana cream pie. I'll try anything as well. That's why you're my podcast co-host, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, because we Same will both wiggling. are willing to try different types of food. Hell yeah. Go. um yeah hey whenever we get to meet each other in person we'll probably go out and try something random oh yeah that'd Um, be awesome hell yeah okay so basketball time (laughs) uh it is going to be i think the final couple of days of in-season tournament uh, are happening after thanksgiving so friday is the second last day tuesday will be the last day we already know the indiana pacers 
are headed to the knockout rounds. The Los Angeles Lakers are also headed to the knockout rounds. We'll see how the rest shakes out. We'll probably do a little podcast on that, you know, next week. But ultimately, very exciting. The Pacers, mm-hmm. they look freaking awesome. Um, and you know what? There's been a couple of different teams around the league that, like, they look great, they look awesome, and then there are a couple of other teams that don't look great. They look kind of concerning. You have questions. And I actually think, you know, since we're about a month into the season, almost a month into the season, pretty much a month into the season, it's a good time to do a temperature check, right? Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of true or false game, okay? So I'm going to throw out a statement and ask you if it's true or false. And okay. you are going to throw out a statement at me, and I will say if it's true or false, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay. I think we've both prepared a couple here. Um, yes. Whatever. I'm sure you have more than that because you're more <laughs> well prepared than I am. No, uh, never. Oh, no. That is not. We both know that is not the case. <laughs> but uh, I will let you go first. Go for it. Do you okay. think? So mine, again, and I just want to preface, these are like forward thinking, but also based yeah. on what we've seen yeah, so yeah, far. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. my first one is Chet Holmgren will win Rookie of the Year. Ooh. Oh, I like it. It's getting spicy. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the Shannon Sharp Mountain Dew thing He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. I love the take. Good. Um, yeah. Look, a lot of stuff happening around the Oklahoma City Thunder today. Not going to get into that right yes. now. Uh, but when it comes to Chet Holmgren, I think absolutely ding, ding, ding true. Uh, he is going to win the rookie of the year. I think he's had. He's he's on track to have the first ever rookie 50, 40, 90 season. Uh, and Crazy. that's just incredible. Yes, he's in a great context. You know, it's like I, I was talking to Jackson Frank about this on the mm-hmm. timeline, but it's like he is the perfect puzzle piece. It's like they have been mm-hmm. searching for this exact player and he's like he fits in almost seamlessly with what they right. want to do. Between him, SGA, and J-Dub, they have this nice trio that just works very, Mm -hmm. very well. Uh, And yes, I think, yes, absolutely. Let me go and pull up Chet's stats real quick because, um, you know, why not? We're a podcast. We should give people information. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's crazy thinking back real, just real quick, thinking back to that draft where he he yeah. got selected to OKC because everyone kind of had, it was like, Oh, what's going to happen with Paolo? What's going to happen with Jabari, you know, right. question marks, but everyone knew that Chet was going to OKC. And it was like, I, I mean, I remember some people being like, okay, this, this idea of this team should be putting the fear of God in people. And it's yeah. almost like everyone's just going to kind of like let it happen. And there's only so much you can do. Obviously you can't, there's so much, you only so much you can do, just but it it's yeah. You could just, you could see it all coming together for OKC. And I think we all have sort of known that it's going to ultimately look like this. And so I think yeah. for OKC and OKC's fans, it's pretty phenomenal to kind of see it all starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, Chet Holmgren, 17 points per game, 55, 43, 87 shooting splits. He's averaging eight rebounds, two and a half assists, one block. One, uh, sorry, two and a half blocks, one steal a game. I mean, that's, that's just incredible work. Um, it's really, really fire. And like, not to mention that Wemby is also doing some incredible things right now. But it's just the fact that they're on completely different contexts. And, mm-hmm. and I, I mentioned this, like, This is something that I talked about in my previews. I said the conversation will have to come. It'll go come down to efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. Wemby is being asked to be the number one option 
on a really poor team, right? He doesn't have the perfect contacts next to him. Hey, some people would argue he doesn't even have a point guard to play with him. You know, the Jeremy Sohan conversation has been a big thing. The plus minus with him and Trey Jones has been a big thing. And that whole conversation, by the way, Greg Popovich, can I just, as an aside, what an incredible moment last night (laughs) with him saying, hey, we don't boo in this house. (laughs) We don't boo in this house. We don't do that. Some people saw that as like old man yelling at cloud. But I fucking loved it. I love every second of it. There is not one coach in the NBA who has the cojones to get up on the mic and say, hey, 18,000 people, shut the hell up. But Greg Popovich has that kind of power. I thought that was awesome. Did you see that? I did see that. And I also think that, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the word power because obviously fans are going to like, would listen to a coach like that. But when it comes from someone like Greg Popovich, as opposed to someone like, Someone with just a little bit like less clout, like if it had come from like Will Hardy or like somebody right. that's a little sure. bit newer, a little like doesn't have just the history and 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 the clout. And so um, it was a pretty a pretty big moment. And so I think it was it was very interesting to watch. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was it was definitely. I thought it was sick. And yeah. and like you know, a little aside, it's like uh, it's a little free agency pitch to Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, you hey, by the way, you know, you did you did leave on bad terms. We hated you. We misdiagnosed <laughs> you. But also, like, if you want to come back, it's all good. You know, there was a little yeah. bit of that. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think that was funny. Okay, Wemby, eighteen point okay. eight points per game, forty three percent from the field, twenty seven percent from three. He's chucking it a little bit there. Eighty uh, percent from the free throw line, nine and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, one steal, two point five blocks. So, like overall, their numbers are pretty similar. It's mm-hmm. just the efficiency that pops up to you, which is the main difference maker here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's impressive what Wemby is doing. I really do. But ultimately, sure. I like if we this this rookie of the year race is going to come down to splitting hairs because both these guys are so talent, like so talented mm-hmm. um, that I think you have to give it to Chet. So I'm going to say true on that regard. I think okay. I'm going to say true. Do you agree with that? Do you think that it is Chet Holmgren wins the rookie of the year? I, I do agree. And I, I do wonder like how it I mean, I don't want to say how it will be received, but um, mm. I feel like chet has been put in a position where everyone knew he was going to have a big year you know what i mean and so yeah. it's just another situation where it might not feel like a 100 percent true rookie of the year race i feel like there's also a like little... the malcolm brogdon yeah Benjamin like a thing. little yeah. bit of like yet another ex- like this i think this could be a perfect example of another year where it's like is this the right way to go about something? And and personally, sure. I don't know the answer because I think, I mean, Chet has been phenomenal and he's obviously not playing like a rookie at all. He's playing like a guy yeah. who's been in a professional, like in a professional environment for, and, and mm-hmm. Wemby has too. It's just, there are, it's, it's a bit of apples and oranges to me. And so it really I do is. think, yeah. yeah. And so, so I think that's what sort of begs the question is, is that the right way to evaluate it? I, I don't know. It's just, I think it's interesting and I think it's an interesting mm-hmm. conversation, but I do think Chet will win it. I do think the efficiency, like you mentioned, the numbers and also OKC's success so far um, and, yeah. and what they may end up doing, I think will will really kind of go in his favor for sure. So the, uh, the, the one thing I think of, right? Mm-hmm. I think of the rookie of the year race between LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony in 2003, 2004. Uh, mm-hmm. Carmelo was on the better team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cavaliers were not a good team in, in LeBron's rookie year. In fact, LeBron kind of struggled efficiency wise, much like Wemby is for the first couple months of his career. 
Um, and the thing was, I, you know, this is not me saying this. I was eight years old, so I don't remember a lot of this stuff. I just remember, Ooh, yeah, LeBron looks cool. <laughs> but, right. but I remember Brian Windhorst saying on this podcast recently that the, the Cavs made a trade for Jeff McGinnis, uh, a point guard. They did that halfway through the season and LeBron started to look amazing. He, he skyrocketed in terms of his efficiency, everything like that. And I do wonder if something like that can change this race. Maybe the Spurs decide, hey, we're going to start Trey Jones now. And now Wemby's efficiency looks much better. He's catching it in his better spots. He's shooting better from three, et cetera, et cetera. He mm-hmm. looks much better efficiency-wise. And now the conversation changes, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a part of it. And you know, if you look back at, to that rookie of the year race, Carmelo was on a better team in Denver. I think that team had just signed Andre Miller too. So like they were, they were trying to be semi-competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember where they finished in the Western conference, but ultimately like, yeah, they were trying to be a little bit more competitive than the Cavs were. And right. LeBron didn't make it to the playoffs until, you know, year two or three of his career, I believe it was three year three. Um, so yeah, it, I think there's like, there's, there's some interesting comparisons to be made here with that. Again, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I do think that this thing could change as well. I don't think it's yeah. like a foregone oh, conclusion yeah. that Definitely. that Chet's going to win it, like he's running away with it or anything. I think this thing will go back and forth as we progress. Yeah, um, I agree with that thing. too. Okay. I've got a true or false for you. Um, okay. My true or false is a little bit different. Um, this okay. team has won five games in a row now. They just beat the Denver Nuggets last night. Obviously, Denver's suffering without Jamal Murray. Um, the Orlando Magic are 10-5 and five to start the season. They are fourth in the Eastern Conference. True or false, the Orlando Magic will finish top six in the East this year. Whew, that's a good I'm not, one. I'm not talking about playing. I'm not talking about playing. I'm not talking about none of that. And I'm saying top six. top six. Do they finish? Yeah. Do they finish top six? Oh, boy. Oh, this one Keep in mind, me. I will just okay. say, I will just say, say keep in mind, Wendell mm-hmm. Carter Jr. has played like four games for them. Uh, yeah. They have been without their starting center, essentially. They have also been without their starting point guard for a few games. Markel yeah, Fultz hasn't played in a lot of these games as well. Now, they have depth in those areas, so they've been able to survive. But mm-hmm. just want to put it out there. They haven't been at full strength either. So that's yeah. that's a good that's a good, uh, I guess, asterisk to put on it for sure. <laughs> um uh i hate my answer i'm going to say false because okay. and that's not and a bad I'm, answer yeah and i and the reason i say false and this is why i don't like my answer it has more to do with the pacers and what i'm seeing from tyrese halliburton and the fact that they haven't that they still have some ground to make up and that i think yeah. new york will ultimately finish higher than orlando and so i i think that orlando is going to find themselves below at least New York and Indiana. And then that doesn't even touch on Cleveland and Atlanta. And then who knows if Brooklyn ends up going out and making a move. And so I think, unfortunately, the reason that I say false has more to do with other teams than it does with Orlando. But I think how how they've come out to start the season, what's so crazy is how we look at how teams start seasons and how the narratives build around how teams start versus how they finish. A lot of times, I mean, there have been so many years for the Mavericks where they start off 
horrendously, but then they just have an incredible final push and it yeah. doesn't get recognized. It's like, oh, they still can't put it together around Luca, blah, blah, blah. And so for Orlando to come and make a statement so early, especially when you sort of have guys missing and, and big question marks and they, and not to mention, I mean, I just got done saying Brooklyn could make a trade. Orlando could go out and make a trade. You know what I mean? And so I yeah. think that they find themselves in a position where it's right there for them if they do want to take that step forward and, you know, keep obviously keep their foot on the grass, the glass. Oh my gosh. Keep, keep their, their foot, foot on, on the, the glass. glass, baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's all there for them. I think health is, has always sort of been a big question mark with them just with a few different guys. And so I would, I hope that I'm wrong and I hope that they stay up there because I think they're such a fun feisty team, but yeah. I do think some of these teams that are a little bit more, maybe a little further ahead in their timeline in terms of just age and, and playoff readiness. I do think that those teams yeah. will potentially pass them by. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and honestly, I only brought this up because I just want to talk about the Orlando magic. Uh, I think <laughs> good. It's, a pretty I it. good it's a pretty good launching point for it. Uh, mm -hmm. I would tend to agree with you. I also think mm -hmm. false. I don't think they're going to finish top six in the East. It's tough. Uh, and for all the reasons that you mentioned, they're younger than all of these teams. There's just less of a margin of error. And especially mm -hmm. there's less of a margin of error because they're not that great of an offensive team. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. they have offensive firepower. They have Franz. They have Paolo Bancaro. I just mentioned they're missing a couple of their guys. I have a piece on Jalen Suggs coming out very soon. I got to interview Jalen Suggs, uh, and that should be out. I, I mean, I hope at some point before this podcast, maybe not, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I got to interview Jalen Suggs, and it, he has clearly turned a corner in his career too. He's been absolutely awesome to watch. So they have like some guys, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there is a level of like, okay, this team can carve out something in the Eastern Conference. They're 21st in offense, which is why I think the margin of error for them is a little bit different. Now, to be fair, they've also, you know, coupled that with the third best defense in the entire NBA so far this season. I think that's really, really important because mm -hmm. a team like them, you know, being so young, hanging their hat on the defensive side of the ball is going to show you just like the promise of what this team can be moving forward. And to your point, like sometimes we take the start of the season and we you know, overblow it a little bit. Sometimes we take the end of seasons and overblow them a little bit too. I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, it, what, who was it? Was it the Wizards or something like that? But they had a really oh, good right. like final right. stretch and we're like, hey, maybe the Wizards are better than what we think. And <laughs> it wasn't true, right? Like it, it just wasn't true. Um, so to be fair, it's hard to take a month and be like, this is who they are. But right. I, I also feel like this might be what, OKC was last year or maybe the year before that in the sense that they were toying with the plane, got into the plane, they got into it, they were feisty in the plane, playing game. Uh, maybe they lose, maybe they win in that game, who knows? But like ultimately getting your guys, your young guys who are probably going to be stars in this league in Paolo and Franz, getting those guys reps in postseason run, whatever it is, even if it's a one single playing game, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really important for this team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they've, they've been awesome. I think they have the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best net rating for a starting lineup that has played more than 70 minutes together so far this season. Uh, and that starting lineup is, you know, Fultz, Wendell Carter, Jr., Franz Wagner, Mo, uh, Franz Wagner, uh, Paolo Bencaro and Jalen Suggs. Now, like I mentioned earlier, two of those guys haven't played for them in like 
a couple of weeks. So maybe they can even be better than they are now. And that's a scary thought to think of. I ultimately just think like, this is a cool young team. They are thriving. They are doing really, really well. And I think we should highlight the fact that they're doing that. To be fair, to your point, Indiana Pacers are killing it too. Like I, I watched them last night. They were really they're hard to, to beat. And like Tyrese Halliburton looks incredible in, in all facets of his game. They can't stop a nosebleed defensively. I mean, the Raptors, the Raptors, one of the worst offensive teams in the league, scored 130 points on them. That's that's, that's like crazy. that's that's a challenge in itself. But um, I think ultimately, like Indiana is a really fun team to watch, too. They can be like in play in territory, maybe playoff territory if they make some noise. So I agree with you. False in that one. Throw me another one. Give it to me. OK, what do we got this one. Whew, this one's inching up on the, the spice meter. So, OK, it, it, I, it, I've got to do. I I'm pushing the timeline. Can you repeat that? I lost you for a second. One as far as the beginning of next season. So I think the okay. trade would be pushing it a bit. So sure. I'm going to say my true or false for you is all of the following. True or false, all of the following will be on a new team by the okay. start of next season. Carl Anthony Towns, Pascal Siakam, Zach Levine, and Jordan Poole. Uh, I will say true. True I think it's on true. all of them. Yes, I think it will be true on all of them. Uh, I think if I had to, you know, rank it in likelihood, I think it's very, very likely that Levine gets traded in the next yeah. couple of months. I, I would say Pascal is probably likely getting traded also in the next couple of months. I would say Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's why you're saying next season. I think maybe mm -hmm. that's a summer thing to address. That I also so think too. Jordan Poole is probably a summer thing to address. So, yes, I would say yes to all of those that they okay. are going to get traded. Um, Interesting. Yeah. What What made you What made you mention uh, all of them together, I guess? I'm so I feel like if you do – if you were to do one or two, it would be an easy – true and i feel like if you had done it like a or if i had proposed it as like a by the end of this trade deadline there are certain challenges that come within yeah. like the next most immediate trade window so i was like how can i make this the most mm -hmm. like moving factors to think of okay let's think of as many players as i see as yeah. reasonable but then also within a reasonable amount of time that's in the near you. future and so i do think that it's going to be really interesting and i think the jordan pool situation has become sort of very interesting uh, to see the conversation around him sometimes. I mean, we've seen conversations about players before be maybe not totally fair and, and you just never really know. And so, um, I don't know, people feel different yeah. differently about different situations and believe certain sources more than others. So it's sort of a situation that I'm like, I want to see how that plays out. Uh, but I think with Zach Levine, mm -hmm. I think he's definitely the most likely to get moved and Carl Anthony towns and Pascal are kind of the two big ones that I think are going to have to take the right, the right time and yeah. doing it like rushing it before this next trade deadline, maybe with Pascal, but I'd say with both of them just feels a little bit soon to me. So we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it all happens in February. Cause that would be, I, no, I, <laughs> that I would be awesome. Yeah, that would be, that would be crazy. I, I, we 
I spoke with Dane Moore on the Timberwolves. We brought up the whole Carl Anthony Towns situation, and he seemed to think that it's pretty much inevitable that Cat gets traded. Maybe not at the deadline, yeah, because the Timberwolves have been really good, and like, why break up something that's been good? But yep. I think in the summer when the money starts to get really, really tight. Yes, they yeah. they will address that and try to move him for pretty much pennies on the dollar, unfortunately. Yeah. Because um yeah. It's I'm hard curious out here. to see how their playoff uh how the playoff picture, the playoff race, how all of that sort of transpires to me, no yeah. matter how good their season is, that will be sort of what truly dictates the timeline of Cat's exit. They gotta win a playoff series. Uh yeah. I think that's the goal this season is they have to win a playoff series is the goal, the objective. Minnesota hasn't played win won a playoff series since two thousand four, since Kevin Garnett was wearing the jersey. Uh so they need to win a playoff series, is my opinion about like what the expectations are for this team. Mm-hmm. I think they can. I really do think they are oh, yeah. well poised to win a playoff series. Uh, I guess it just depends on the matchup and like mm-hmm, who they go sure. up against and whatnot. Um, and it's funny because I have, for my true or false, I have another Western Conference team okay, that I'm kind of curious about. And it also relates to your trade topic. It does relate oh, to your trade topic. Amazing. Um, yes. True or false, the Sacramento Kings will make a trade for one of the aforementioned stars that you just mentioned. Essentially, not Jordan Jordan Poole because I don't think they trade for Jordan Poole. I don't. I honestly, by the way, I don't think anybody is really interested in trading for Jordan Poole. I know. Maybe the Toronto Raptors. I. You know what? I'm not going to sell myself. They just. They're so. (laughs) They're so guard depleted that they're like, we will take anybody at this point. Just come on down. Um, Yeah. So I'm not sure. Hey, hey, look, Masai. Listen. Low bargain, you know, you could probably get him for two seconds, but um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes. So my my true or Any... false is the Sacramento Kings go big fish hunting uh, at the deadline and they make a trade for one of these guys. True or false? What do you oh, think? Oh, man, that's a good one. So I'm going to si- sort of take it from like a process of elimination yeah. point of yeah, view. I it. don't yeah. see cat happening. So to me, it's either Zach or, or Pascal. Um, Oh goodness. Let me think because Pascal has quietly become my fate. Like Sacramento has become quietly my favorite Pascal destination. destination. Yeah. It would be super interesting. I think the thing that becomes most challenging about it is who comes back. You know what I mean? And I don't see Sacramento being willing to move a Keegan Murray in any situation. And so then it comes mm-hmm. down to does Toronto have any interest? I mean, maybe they do in Davion Mitchell and like, a. I think you know, for, for starters, I think they would love Davion Mitchell. Like that's, yeah, I think he would fit really well. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if that's enough for them to sell themselves on. We want, we're going to get, so yeah. like they let's, let's rewind a little, right? Let's to, rewind. 2013 or 2012 2013 okay okay the toronto raptors have this have this weird roster it's not really working it's rudy (laughs) gay demar Derozan, and kyle lowry it's all kind of finicky it's wonky they're winning games they're also losing games they shouldn't be kind of feels like this season all right 
Mm-hmm. And it's a wonky fit, wonky roster. DeMar isn't getting the shine that he needs to. Kyle isn't getting the shine that he needs to because Rudy is taking up a lot of these shots, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, go and search up the, the no, not this guy, not this guy <laughs> game winner that Rudy hit on the, the Toronto Raptors. Anyways, um, so the Raptors went ahead and traded with none other than the Sacramento Kings. They traded Rudy Gay to the Kings in exchange for Grievous Vasquez, Chuck Hayes, Patrick Patterson, and I think they probably got like a pick or like a second round pick or something along the lines <laughs> of that too. Um, my point is, none of those guys are in are in the league anymore. Right. Uh, Rudy Gay is still in the league. He's still kicking. I think he's on Atlanta, uh, but yeah. he's he, obviously he's not the player he is anymore. Grievous Vasquez, however, was they were able to flip him. I think mm-hmm. a year or two after that in exchange for Norman Powell, a pick that became Norman Powell and a pick that became OG Ananobi. So <laughs> essentially unreal. they built their entire future off of that Rudy Gay trade with Patrick Patterson becoming a really important part of their, like their, their little mm-hmm. run that they had. And, you know, Grievous Vasquez was important for a couple of years there. And then they ch- turned that into Norman Powell and OG Ananobi. And obviously, you know, we know what happens with Norman OG. I just wow. think maybe there's a world in which that can happen here as well, where you're not yeah. getting a massive swing deal for Pascal, mm-hmm. but you're getting, you know, reserves, you're getting guys that can maybe fit this team a little bit more. Something that pops up is like, hey, what if the Kings are willing to move off of Kevin Herter, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Herter fits the build, shooting guy, That's that works well with Scotty Barnes. Okay, now you're talking about Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, and like salary in order to get Pascal. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, if that's the only thing they can get, you know, um, yeah, maybe. Uh, and to be fair, there are other teams that could probably match that and do better. Yeah. I'm not sure. But ultimately, I'm just thinking Sacramento is in a good position to go out and trade for one of these guys. So that's yeah. where my question comes of true. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you provided all that context because one, I didn't know that. And that is amazing <laughs> that that is how that all came together. But I actually do think that I was initially going to say that Pascal, I would, I wasn't going to put him as the most likely, but now I'm sitting here thinking and I'm like, okay, let's just do the math on some of the, the guys that would, that would move at first. I was like, okay, Masai is going to want Keegan Murray. He's not going to get Keegan Murray. I maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but that's very, very hard for me to see. And um, by the way, like there's there's a good chance that like that's the end of the conversation there. Like, yeah, they call, and that's they're like, you know, hey, exactly. we want Pascal. The, they say no. They're like no. We, you, unless you give right. us Keegan, Keegan Murray, we don't want him. You know, right? And so I, at first I was like, that's how that's going to go. It's not going to go anywhere. They're not going to get Pascal. However, yeah, a Har- they have their picks. A Harrison Barnes to match the salary. Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell group. I don't hate that for Toronto. I think Toronto could potentially extend a Harrison Barnes return um, and get some, some significant usage out of Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell. And even though Kevin Herter has been really solid for Sacramento, it just opens things up doing that deal opens things up for Malik Monk and you can have other guys step up. So that deal that package makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. So I do think that the Pascal situation is definitely one to monitor. And Davion Mitchell, there have even been times with him where it's like he he's not going to get the opportunity that like when he got drafted, what it looked like he could become and how quickly he would be ready. It doesn't look like he's necessarily going to get that in Sacramento. And a place like Toronto could be exactly what he needs. So I'm going to go ahead and say true. I think okay. you. I think 
with your your history lesson, I think you have officially talked <laughs> me in to Pascal to Sacramento. I love it. And you, you know what? Like, it's not to be fair. It's not just Pascal. Like Levine signed when he was a restricted free agent. He signed an offer sheet with Sacramento to go there. Uh, this was before Monty uh, Monty McNair came there, so like there's right. there's history there. But still, like maybe maybe there's interest there for for him to go there, uh, a place that is closer to home for him, a place that is obviously has an incredible environment in terms of winning and whatnot. And I think Sacramento, you know, we talked about this uh, a while ago when it came to like free agency, right? We thought they might go for Kyle Kuzma. We mm -hmm. thought they might yep. make, make a you know big swing trade for someone. And in the summer, they kind of stayed pat. And I wonder if they're regretting that a little bit because mm -hmm. they're 14th in offensive rating. Uh, their defense has gotten better so far this year. They're 18th compared to, you know, last year where they were like 23rd or 24th. I do think, you know, they have a really, really good core, but the West around them has also gotten better. So maybe, mm -hmm. maybe there is that hunger for them to go out and trade for someone. And also, yeah. by the way, it's not like you're going to be as the Sacramento Kings. It's not like you're going to go out there and try to get a free agent, right? It's right. not like you're going to go out there and try to sign anybody. So what's the best way to do that? Go and trade for them. Um, right. No, and I just think that maybe, maybe gives me a little bit of thing. Sure. To be like, I Maybe. think it really I think it really sets up nicely because they're they're middle in the pa middle of the pack in a lot of different categories and so even you know whatever your feelings are about a Zach Levine fit playing with pace and adding the scoring like there it, the it does make a lot of sense especially considering the narrative around Zach Levine right now and the fact that you could probably get him for a pretty friendly like price team friendly uh price um and so i do think yeah. both are very possible options i do think some of the other zach levine scenarios that we have talked about are make more sense and i would expect those to be more likely but the pascal one is not something that should be overlooked at all i think i could see that i could see that come together really quickly in terms of sacramento being like Hey, that's exactly the type of move we need to sort of get over the hump and really solidify a core, even even more so than they have already done. Um, and Monty McNair has shown that he is not afraid to be aggressive, super aggressive. So yeah. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't overlook that at all. So I like would that be one. interesting, very very would, would be would be interesting. One. Okay, we got two of these out the way. We'll probably do this thought exercise a little bit later uh, on in the season, just because it's a good way to like temperature check certain things. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about our teams, the Toronto Raptors and Dallas Mavericks. First and foremost, let's let's talk about the Mavericks. Um, mm -hmm. You off air were mentioning that Derek Lively has gotten an injury. Yes. Is there any sort of update when it comes to that? Yeah, so not a super solid update. It looks like it was officially announced as a lower back contusion, and we're still sort of waiting to hear what the next steps are. That's the last that I've seen. Hopefully, you know, by the time you're listening to this, there's more information on it as far as mm -hmm. what the expectation of a timeline is. Um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's something that doesn't take too, too long and that there's no serious structural damage, but yeah. he wasn't, I mean, he couldn't really walk and he struggled to get up. So it did not look great. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but it's also, you know, today's Thanksgiving. And so people being with their family, like that could be a reason why we're not getting a whole lot of information. So maybe don't run and hit the panic button, but yeah. It didn't look great. And for big men and their backs, that's a huge concern. So we're just going to kind of see, take it one day at a time. But that was a rough fall, and, and hopefully hopefully he's good. Hopefully he is. Yeah, I mean, look, he's been a big part of, of their entire season. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, yep. we talked about this like uh, earlier this season where it's just like, 
he complete. You know, I'm not saying to the same degree as Chet Holmgren, but like he completes that unit in a very, I very agree. specific way as far as like a rim protector, shot blocker, and like he's not he's not that level of impact yet. But eventually, you see him becoming that. So uh, mm-hmm. obviously, hope he's he stays healthy. I watched the the tail end of their game against the Lakers in which they fumbled the bag extremely. uh, But then, you know, they kind of got, they they stole one there. They escaped, if you will, Los Angeles with a W Uh, they're still 10 and five. I think they're fourth in the Western conference. They are doing really well compared to like how they looked in the preseason. I guess my, my overall thoughts with you is like, okay, we're 15, 15 games in now. That's probably Mm -hmm. near 25 ish percent. Like it's not almost, it's not 25%, but it's almost 25%. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Like how, how was the (sighs) vibes of like what your expectation is for this season and what they, they might be? I would say overall the vibes are good and the expectations are high. I would say last night's game was horrendous because you really started to see moments where the lack of offensive schemes and just the offense coming to a screeching halt and it looking like okay we've got solid players out there but nothing is happening and when that happens that is like very very concerning because it doesn't really look like anybody's doing anything to get out of it and so that was tough to watch and I'm glad nobody heard what was coming out of my mouth in my living room (laughs) but um it was rough but I think overall where they're at so far in the season we've obviously talked about Derek Lively and like you said like he mentioned or how he completes the team I completely agree with with that statement um he not having him there will change the dynamic of the team and and we've seen it in in one or two games already and so Mm -hmm. um I will say gotta give him credit where credit is due Rashawn Holmes stepped up last night and he had a few specific moments where it was like I have been waiting for this and calling for this because he doesn't have the size (laughs) that Lively has, but his activity level, I think is closer to Lively than it is to Dwight Powell. And he, I've been waiting for him to get minutes. And so I think that they're going to have a bit, if they do ultimately miss Lively, I think where they go from here after this, like, I guess, checkpoint in the season so far, things have been good, but if you lose Lively, it's a big, it's a big sort of reevaluation Um, and so I think having Rashawn Holmes step up and kind of show what he can do in case anyone missed it after the game, Luca mentioned that he owed Derek or excuse me, Rashawn Holmes, uh, a a dinner for how well he played. Um, (laughs) having somebody step up like that is, is a really, really good sign. But I think it also even showed before Derek Lively went out, it showed that Rashawn Holmes getting minutes and, and even the Jaden Harden, Hardy, Seth Curry situation that this rotation still isn't finalized. Um, and so I do think that that is something that they're still working out, which is why I feel good so far, but I still think that they've got some things that they need to work out and that's going to take a bit more time. Did you lose me? I did, but it's okay. I was waiting for you to finish. So I didn't No, It's okay. I think we got it Where though. Did you lose me? Uh, I think I did lose you. Yeah. You, okay. Um, I think we got it though. I think like it records on your side, so we don't have to worry about like you redoing it. You should oh, okay. It. Well, great. Cause I was uh, like, I don't want to have to re say that because I feel like I said it well. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I'll just remember 37 okay, minutes in. Uh, okay. okay. Um, so the other thing I was going to say is like, it seems like they're figuring out their rotation a little bit more. Yeah. I see Josh Green, his minutes are, are getting up and up a little bit more than it mm-hmm. was at the start of the season. It felt like he was like falling out of the rotation, but now he's back into the rotation. Mm-hmm. He's playing a little bit better. Um, is that just like 
you know, he's back and healthy or whatever, or is like, what's the Yeah. I, I honestly think that the initial inconsistencies with his minutes really stemmed from the surprise that Derek Jones Jr. provided and how mm. him getting in the starting lineup, because I think coming into this season, especially with Josh Green's extension, sort of like those conversations, it was expected that Josh Green was going to be in the starting lineup with Grant Williams and that same. those, yeah. and that those two from a defensive standpoint were pretty much a lock. And then yeah. as we got closer to the start of the season, it was like, maybe it's not as much of a lock and, Oh, now there's this talk about Derek Jones Jr. Starting. And you and I talked about having someone like Maxi or him in there at the four to give them more size and have Grant sort of at this three position. Uh, And that has obviously panned out for them, which has sort of left Josh in this state of, you know, where does he necessarily fit in? Because a lot of the bench wings that come in apart from Dante Exum are all offensive oriented. So Mm -hmm. that is like, okay, well then you should clearly have a need for someone like Josh green. Uh, But, but it just, it, they're, they've got a lot of wing depth, which is crazy because for so long that was not the case. And so right now there's a bit of a log jam, which is also leads to inconsistencies with shooting and, and just the rotation overall. And so I think for Josh, I do think as this season kind of drags on and maybe some changes do happen from a roster standpoint, I think Josh fits very well with what they're trying to do. And he's shown improvement in areas that you almost wouldn't expect him like there's the areas that you do expect him to improve, but then others that you're like, whoa, he just hit a pull up, like a pull up mm. shot or like a tr- even a turnaround fadeaway. And you're like, right. I, I, I didn't see that coming. And so <laughs> for Josh, I would be shocked if he went anywhere barring like a, a bigger trade. Um, and so I think ultimately his spot in the rotation and also like his importance uh, in terms of like, I guess, when you're just looking at like the roster overall will become even more solidified once they sort of address this log jam uh, of sort of the bench, the bench wings. Yeah. Mavs also another team, by the way, that like maybe at the deadline could make some kind of move. I mean, we've talked about yeah. it, so I don't want to, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah, re- rehash, sure. but yes, it feels like they're also kind of primed. Like you, you said there's a little bit of a, a conundrum with their rotation a little yeah, bit, right? For like sure. Jaden Hardy's not getting a lot of minutes. There's like, where are you going to throw him? Yeah. Seth Curry too. It's like, where, where do these guys kind of work in the packing order? And I'm kind of curious to see how that shakes out. Right. Um, as for the Toronto Raptors, if we were to record this on Tuesday night after their <laughs> shellacking by the Orlando magic, I would have a completely different reaction to you. I would say, I can't wait till they blow this thing up and <laughs> we would be at the end of it here. Um, they, it was a really bad game against the magic. Yeah. They got absolutely destroyed. But I also think the the Magic are just a tough matchup for them, to be honest with you. I think they're like a really, really tough matchup just because of the size. Um, mm-hmm. And the Raptors rely so much on their size. Great example is that Mavericks game, right? Like the, they, they clearly yeah. have the size advantage and they took complete, you, you know, they, t- they took over when it came to that Mavericks game, especially Siakam. Um, I think that sort of applied to the Pacers game. It was almost identical the way that they won. They hammered in it in the paint pascal dominated once again scotty was really good as this like small ball five defensive type guy uh and i think like for the most part there's going to be matchups that are really really good for this team because they're probably a little bit too one-dimensional um as a especially on offense so there's going to be certain games where they look really really good in indiana they looked really good in dallas they looked really good in orlando they did not look good at all um (laughs) And so I think that's that's probably part of it. But right now it's like they kind of are what they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're about a 500 team. 
They're still working through the kinks of their offense and like figuring out what their identity is. Uh, if I had to do like a temperature check a month in, it still feels like this is just a bunch of like spare broken parts kind of working really? together to see what works. Uh, it just like the fit just isn't the greatest with a lot of these guys. Um, it's pretty evident because like things look so much better offensively with Jakob Pertl off of the floor. Mm. Um, and okay. that's not to say it always looks that way. Like Jakob still wins his minutes pretty consistently just because he's a good defender and he's a good passer, good rebounder, et cetera. But like, for the most part, it really limits how effective both Pascal and Scotty can be on the floor together just because of the front court being so wonky and fit mm-hmm. and, and fit and like the spacing is off uh, in those right. in those kind of lineups. Dennis Schroeder is punching above his weight at this point. So it's kind of like a these guys are good players individually, mm-hmm. but together they don't really fit. And right. I'm I'm kind of curious to see what happens. Obviously, like I'm I'm pretty tired of like coming on here every week and being like, well, we'll see what happens with the trades and whatnot. <laughs> uh, it just it feels like we're kind of just waiting for that to happen right. in order for us to have some kind of fresh conversation about this team because for the most part they are what they are. Um, yeah. And the the silver lining is like Scotty looks awesome. Scotty looks yeah. incredible, and he's like he's putting up you know all-star like numbers it's like 29 and 6 a night like that's very that's very insane. good and you know it's it's it, and by the way like the the fact that he's doing that in a team on a team that doesn't necessarily like accentuate his skill set like doesn't really harness what he can be good at goes to show you like there's more there that yeah. can actually be tapped into and that's an exciting part but ultimately this team is what it is you know yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned Jakob because I did want to ask, um, and uh, bear with me because this is a bit of a loaded question, knowing yeah. everything that we have discussed about Pascal and his maybe uncertain future with the team and, and just considering what they sort of committed in terms of paying for Jakob to bring him in, um, where do you think, maybe under operating under the assumption that Pascal is not a part of the long-term future, what do you think that means for for Jakob's role with this team and how that sort of shapes their identity moving forward in sort of a Scotty era with Jakob mm-hmm. being committed to as the starting center? Yeah, I think they don't want to tank. Even yeah. if they move off of Pascal Siakam, they really do not want to suck. Um, <laughs> right. I, and I, I don't think they have any interest in doing that. I think they're yeah. very comfortable being like a middle-of-the-pack team and building from the middle and like just seeing what they have. Um, I think that's going to apply even regardless once they trade Pascal. A lot of people are like excited to trade Pascal for a bunch of picks and young guys and like, let's start over. And I I don't think, I don't think the Raptors, that's their MO. I think like they are, if they trade Pascal, they're probably going to trade him for guys who can help them now. Plus, plus stuff like that. Right. That's why the Kings pop up. It's like, okay, you know, Harrison Barnes can help you now. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Herter, Herter can help you now. Uh, Davion Mitchell might be able to help you now. And then like, you know, I, I don't know. I just think ultimately this team doesn't have any incentive to tank. So maybe when you remove Pascal from that equation, the fit with Jakob is a little bit better. Their chemistry is starting to develop more too. Yeah. Like the pick and roll stuff mm-hmm. has looked a little bit better between Scotty and Jakob so far. Um, and I think there is room for that relationship to grow, to be honest with you, on the court. I just think it's it's tough to have all three, unfortunately. And yeah. if I were to be completely honest, I think the Jakob Pertle trade was essentially the death knell 
for the Pascal Scotty tandem because wow. it's just like a really tough front court fit with him. If it was Miles Turner, right? Floor stretching, shot making big. If it was Kristaps Porzingis, floor stretching, shot blocking big. It's a different story because that that mm-hmm. actually I think accentuates the Pascal Scotty tandem a little bit more. But yeah, because of what Jakob is as a player, like Jakob is like an elevated version of Rashawn Holmes in the sense that he's like <laughs> better defensively. He's he's like seven feet tall, so he can block some shots and be this mm-hmm. like shot deter, but he works so much in the middle of the floor. He operates so much in the middle of the floor. And that's exactly where Pascal and Scotty operate. And right. it's just tough to have three guys try to operate the same same areas of the floor uh, without it being, you know, a tough fit. Yeah. Yeah. I, land, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it is tough. I think uh, what you mentioned about Dennis Schroeder and, and punching above his weight, I like the way you phrase that. What I think is going to be so interesting and again, I, I feel like everything is going to continue to tie back to the Pascal conversation and what yeah. happens there. So I apologize for you having to continue to, no, good, to say good. that or to think about that. But I do think that that could also potentially or, or not. I don't want to say I think I wonder if it will sway what the return packages and what they're more interested in. Are, would they be more interested in a Sacramento with maybe more draft capital and, and current assets plus a future asset and maybe Davion Mitchell, or would they, you know, be more interested in something like a Jaden Hardy who, who might have maybe a higher ceiling than Davion Mitchell, depending on where you stand with that. Right. Um, Like what, how, how do they view the future point guard position and who's going to be running that offense? What, what do they view with that? Um, and, and where that may go for them. I think that is going to be a really interesting sort of moving part to all of this whole Pascal situation that I'm curious kind of what direction they may go. What prototype, let me ask you that. Yeah. What prototype would you want this point, the point guard, the future point guard for the Toronto Raptors and a Scotty OG, what, what would you want that to look like? I think the perfect player to pair is alongside Scotty Barnes is like a Jamal Murray type, like okay. a, like a you know score first he can make some plays for others he can create but for the most part is like a score first i can get it in multiple different ways type of guard Sounds even donovan like mitchell hardy. is another type of guy yeah i mean Jaden hardy does fit that bill yes he absolutely does i think like that's why um that's why with the hawks a lot of people were interested in aj griffin for the Raptors. yeah because aj griffin also fits that build of like that he's type very of solid guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, like that is the type of player you're looking for. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether that's in the Raptors plans. I don't know if that's something they envision because the Raptors <laughs> again, don't like to go for those types of players. They, they yeah. just don't. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what direction they go. And also like, to your point with the Jakob thing, there's a world because he came into here, he came back to Toronto saying, I want to compete. Like I want to be a part mm. of something that's winning. And he wasn't in a winning situation in San Antonio. So I wonder if, you know, once Pascal gets traded, the the buck moves to Jakob and like, hey, maybe they decide to trade Jakob Pertle. And why did you trade a first round pick yeah. in the first place then if you were if that was going to be the situation? But look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to end on a sour note. Scotty Barnes is looking like an all star. If this if this tracks, if this, you know, sticks for the rest of until February, he will be in Indiana for the all star game. 
Um, the Dallas Mavericks are doing great. The Toronto Raptors are what they are. Uh, we talked about the rest of the NBA so far in this podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody else, for tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, do the rating, the subscribing, the liking that you guys do. And we will see you guys later. Take care. Follow House at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.